Okay, so thanks for joining me today, Steve. Um, we caught up, it's got to be what, six, seven, probably, uh, no, before lockdown, wasn't it? Or just as we went into lockdown, so 10 weeks, should we say? In fact, don't date it. If don't date, date it. People Let's... who would know that was sort of like, um, uh, <laughs> they're sort of like, um, they're doing close proximity on them as well for us. You can make it sort of like, uh, well, we spoke last year, Steve, on this. <laughs> yeah, well, they could just look at the date anyway. But anyway, me, Steve was actually my second guest or first first guest actually on the uh, on the show, and uh, we finally got a name. So the name is now the Hacking the Algorithm Podcast, which I, I think is a good name. So um, better than the Unknown Marketing Podcast, anyway. But anyway, today we're going to talk really about where the film industry is going. Uh, obviously, there's been quite a few updates as such, or, or new things out in the film industry that. I know that you're now implementing, Steve, and I imagine there's going to be a shift in the film industry as a result of, of the pandemic. Uh, so, so, Steve, obviously, thanks for joining. Uh, where do you think the film industry is going uh, currently and are there features that people should be exploring with or looking at? Uh, so that's a really great question, Joe. The film industry is changing. And the thing to remember about is a lot of the technology that's here isn't always new technology, but is becoming more available technology. So one of the big exciting things is happening is interactive videos have become more accessible for that. There's been some great new software that's come out that's allowed that to become uh, slightly more friendly to, um, uh, to SMEs type customers that maybe haven't had the big budgets of, um, of some of the ones that could have custom uh, interactive videos made using high-end coding techniques. Whereas um, software has now come to a point where it can actually do quite effective things on interactive videos. And just explain what interactive video is. Interactive video is essentially where you take a non-linear journey with a video. So if you watch the film Bandersnatch, um, Black Mirror Bandersnatch on Netflix, you have a bit of a feel for what it is about. It's where you make choices during the film. And this is of course great for sales or anything where you want to encourage engagement. So this could be training, it could be um, in a part of a sales funnel in there because it gives the customer or the, the member staff involved in the training a choice or an action to take. And that's the most exciting part about it because no longer does it mean that the film is a passive process where you're just watching and observing it, but you're making choices throughout it to make the film progress. And if they don't make a choice, then the film doesn't progress. So it's a great way as well to disqualify people because if you ask a question and they don't engage with it, then the funnel stops there for them as well and part of what is uh, always helpful is to know actually how engaged they are. So you're capturing an engaged audience by this technique on there. And also you get the value added of it being a bit of a novelty. Now novelties are powerful when it's something that someone maybe hasn't seen before and they've asked a question and they answer it within the video by clicking on the screen or clicking where they want the video to take them. That's something new. That's something a lot of people haven't seen. There was one done about five years ago actually by Tipex and it was uh, through YouTube, back when YouTube was experimenting with this, and they got to the point where they decided it wasn't quite at the place where they could do it effectively and pulled things like annotations. Uh, but Tipex did a great viral campaign where they had the, um, the title of the film as a blank space. So the Tipex erased it, and you could have the story changed based on what you typed into this blank space. So the story starts with, um, a man and a bear go into the woods and then you fill in the blank of what you want to see happen when they go into the woods. And there's all sorts of scenarios that you can make happen based on what you type into it. So that was a truly interactive video. That's probably one of the earliest ones I can remember seeing on the web, which is around probably circa 2010, maybe slightly earlier than that. Uh, but now 
interactive videos are really all about how you make the customer experience more effective. So how can you give them choice on what they want to see, hear, learn about, great for products, great for funnels. I think one of the key things that I'm quite excited about is, is the data side of things because you can easily capture, and it's something I want to get onto later on, but you can easily capture what the typical trends are. So, you know, if you're doing, say, a sales more video where you're tracking certain movements towards what they might be interested in, it's very easy to, to see what the common trends are in the audience that are watching your videos and also capture how many people view because at the minute, say on Facebook, it will measure how many people watch for three seconds. On YouTube, you can see where people tend to drop off so you can see the engagement rate. Um, but I think with, with these videos, do you think it's going to reduce the quality of videos? Um, so are people going to pay less attention to how engaging the video is and it's just going to be more interaction or, or do you think there'll be a, a massive mix? I, I mean, I'd say with every new trend, the quality of videos does reduce because of accessibility for it. So what, what I mean by that is when smartphones could shoot was good quality footage, it was then in the hands of everyone. So actually anyone now can sort of like point the camera at themselves and talk and share a message. But the quality of those messages generally isn't of a particularly high standard. And the same thing will happen with any technology that becomes readily available. If someone doesn't know how to use it well, there will be a lot of it out there and a lot of it that isn't particularly effective. And that's really where we come in as professionals in that we want to get people to a space where they understand how and why they're using the technology. And that's why our first question before we go down the interactive route or any film route is why are you making a film? Uh, that's our principle at Lilac How Films is asking the why film question first before any planning takes place on there. Because if they aren't quite sure why they're making the film or the results they want, then we've got nothing to measure it against. So to show what the film is, to show that the film is successful, we need to have a plan for it. And that's where I try and work for my customers first to ask them the questions of what was, what does success look like for you? And then we kind of work backwards from there on how the film's going to look so they can measure it against that success that they've determined for them. And often the times it takes a bit of time. We did a brand workshop recently um, as a creative marketing hub. And so that, that, that's where some really great messages were shared about a lot of companies maybe don't quite know who their demographics are they're trying to appeal to or why they're actually sort of like sharing messages in this way, shape or form. But when you do know who your demographics are, when you do know who you make this film for, when you do know what kind of engagement you want from it, that's a really powerful thing. And that's what we try and get all businesses to the point of understanding. So that's kind of where interactive video fits into the puzzle and how we avoid it falling into that category of film for film's sake or just another novelty. And instead it's saying, okay, so you've said to us, you want to capture data. So what if we were to share some viable trading, but put up a data wall in front of it so that they could hear a preview of the video, but then to access the next stage, you could have survey elements to that where you could ask some questions or ask for an email address to be entered first before the video progresses on there for that as well. That and was a, that was something, I know that was something that we were talking about a couple of weeks ago when we were doing the, the webinar, which was, you know, wouldn't it be great if we were to say, right, if you want this guide that Joe's just talking about or the, the seven steps that I think, I think it was seven that Rob was talking about, being able to then download that guide whilst on the Zoom call or webinar, I think would, yeah. be, would be so valuable to, to businesses. And 
whatever if if any webinar company comes out with that i'll be straight onto it that's that's for sure so yeah, the key thing doesn't it how can you make it easy for your customers to buy from you and engage with you as well so anything like that that makes it easier for a customer to engage with you where it feels less like they're part of a funnel or a process and more like just like an, an organic sort of like we're engaging with them even when we're not present with them that is a positive thing and i think actually it comes back to what good customer service looks like if we're giving good valuable information in a high quality way that's really where we want to get all businesses to the place of yeah i think sometimes sales processes just take far too long um even on websites it's something that obviously with the projects i'm working with rob at the minute it's heavily how do we reduce that process of the typical you land on a website you then how you then find in the button that you click on and then you're then seeing, do I want to fill out an inquiry form or shall I email them or shall I phone them? And it's like all of these different processes that in the, in the human mind, they're like, I don't know what to do. And then they'll go and browse on something else. They, they'll go and browse a TV that they might want or, um, or a new microphone in their podcast or whatever it might be. And then they get distracted. Yeah. And I think something that is, is moving in the right way is uh, social chain have just released their new website which is literally just a live chat yeah. Um, yeah, website, right. which, you know, I'll be honest, I don't like the design straight away. I think they've, they've gone really far one way, um, maybe a little bit too far initially, where I think there needs to be that kind of um, in-between balance where you've still got the nice designs as such, but on the homepage, rather than it being welcome to, say, Lilac Films or welcome to Unknown Marketing, it's actually how can we help you today? And you've got about us, our services, uh, job role, um, career, sorry, contact us. So people are instantly asked that question and then they, they just choose where they want to go. I think and it that's the experience as well, doesn't it? It makes it a much more friendly experience when you come to a website and you're greeted. And people aren't, uh, this thing, I think often we do our customers a disservice by thinking, that they're not as smart as they are. And actually, the social trend website, what I like about it is it treats them like they're a human. Even though that there's um, an automated process in the back end, it's not trying to hide that fact on there. You know the messages aren't coming from someone doing a live chat that's trying to pretend like they're real. But it's done in a very sort of like organic and, um, and a fun way. And again, it's, um, it's, it's providing, in my mind, what is, uh, I think, a good service to the customers. And if I think when you're providing a good service through your automation, that's when it's working in the right way for that. It's when it's become something that, uh, that people just recognize as, okay, I'm part of a funnel, I'm receiving this email, that even though it's personalized to me, they haven't written this, they're not interested in me. The whole idea of putting these time limits on this, maybe, maybe I'm more cynical because we're more savvy to some of the marketing trends that go on there. But I think people know when, when there's like this time limit on, on that, it's to try and rush you into an impulse decision on there. And actually, I think a lot of times people don't like that. And it's something that will get you some quick wins potentially, but it depends what your vision is for your company. And my vision for the Lilac Films has always been offer quality service and a high quality products on there. And, and part of that is if we use funnels, use them in a good and effective way where there's valuable information that actually we would want to consume and we know people would pay to consume on there for that as well. So we're offering something valuable back to our customers and treating that data with respect to deserves. So when we collect information on, um, on who they are, demographics, email addresses, how to contact them, we're exchanging that for something that's valuable to them rather than trying to trick them in it because if we trick them into it, we don't have an engaged customer. We have a frustrated one that knows, okay, really, 
I'm just being put through a process so I can become a sales to them. And actually, I want to see sales humanized now. I want to see it become a much more human and engaged approach. And I am glad you said that, actually, because I had a great um, discovery call with, I think his name was Joe Bush from the chat shop. And they are a chat company, uh, so live chat on websites that rather than it being, they do have the bots, but rather than it being you having to pick up, get a notification on your phone and you're like, or oh, better reply to that live chat, they have a team, a 24-hour team, I think, or they miss like one hour in the day, it's like 3 a.m. or something, um, that deal with your chat for you. So they're trained salespeople, but I landed on, and it was Lease Car's website when I was looking for, for a new car, and landed on, I was then asked, how are you doing? Um, can we help you at all? And when I, or it was, no, it was, they waited until you got onto the vehicle and then they asked that you're like, that's a great choice of vehicle. Um, can we help at all? Is there any question you've got? And if there is questions you've got, you can easily ask them and you've got that instant uh, reply and you know it's a human because it, and it actually is. Uh, because the worst thing is when you have a chatbot on a website which yeah. you put in your inquiry and it's you know the worst thing is like CRM so you're having an issue with your CRM and you're like where is there someone to phone there's no one to phone so you have to do this chat and then it's like oh we can't answer that and you're like brilliant so now I'm stuck with a CRM that's not working I've, uh, I've got to wait for an email back uh, that's going to get enticed in the other 50 odd emails that are coming through every day so I think having people or at least systems in place where it's a lot more personal selling, but I think there's a, there's a trend as well currently that is people are now seeing salespeople more than they've ever seen salespeople before. And people aren't liking that. You know, if you want to buy something, if someone inquires to me and marketers will disagree with this, this approach, and I imagine some of the guys will probably disagree as well. I will make sure they're looked after and I'll touch base with them, say, once a week if they're in that buying decision, but I will not push them to buy. I won't put, I won't say, you know, yes, if it, if it's after a month or two and they still haven't made a decision, I'll say, look, we need a decision because, you know, otherwise we're going to have to take someone in your industry. But, you know, they've got to make that. And I, I am cautious that I am kind of just going on a bit of a tangent here. But um, I think if you let them buy into your product, you're going to keep them if you do a good job for three, four, five, ten years, where if you push them into buying your product, they're probably going to be with you for a month really happy, two months they're going to still be happy, and then three months they're going to have that buyer's remorse where they're like, why have I bought into this for 12 months or 24 months? Damn. Uh, to bring back around to interactive videos on there as well, I think it comes back to what good quality automation looks like on there. And actually, automation is a very trendy word and trendy thing for businesses to be thinking about on there. But a lot of it is low quality, and I think that's um, that's where it's a responsibility for us as um, involved in various ways in, in, in marketing. I'm a content creator. I'm not a marketeer, um, but I work with lots of marketeers, and we develop the content that is part of their plans and strategy. And what excites me when it comes back to interactive video is how powerful would it be when you have the owner of the company sort of saying to you, um, hi, introduce themselves, and then saying, what would you like to know? And having an options come on there where you choose the direction that you want, that they then take you through on there and you make those choices. And if you're not interested, you don't have to engage with that. You can do it in a more traditional way on there. So it's not trying to compete. It's not trying to force you into a box there for that, but it's trying to make you um, have a more relational experience with 
your your service provider and in turn they get a strong relationship with a customer and that that to me can only be a good thing when it's used wisely now clearly with anything like this it can be misused on there which is why we're saying to anyone that wants to find out more about interactive video just come and have a chat with us our details are on the screen on there get pick up the phone have a call ask us how you could use it or our thoughts on that because that's always always no problem to do to actually run ideas by you and sort of say okay well, in your industry, maybe have you thought about trying it this way? Or maybe have you thought about this product here for it? So there's all sorts of things we could do to explore how interactivity could work. But it comes back to how can we make sure your automation is high quality, feels human, and makes the customers feel valued and not just a case that they're being in it, put through a chain so that they can be squeezed to buy because it doesn't create long-lasting customers that way. Uh, that's, that was exactly my next question was how do you think we could integrate um interactive video into how social chain have used their live chat um system so yeah in, in regards to that i think if if i was to land on a website and i was looking to buy a film from you steve and i went and it landed and you were there and you were saying um hi there how are you doing um where where would you like to go would you like to go to services would you like to see you know more about us would you like to see previous videos we've done and then i choose which option and then you introduce those and say it's the past testimonies. You go, this is one of our top rated or, or most viewed videos on Vimeo. Yeah. Um, and then there's even potentially one day the automation to then have that change. So if you had a YouTube channel that was getting a lot of views, for example, you know, and one video went above the other, that could be changed each time. And one thing that I was really impressed with social chain when I went back was that they knew when you were coming back. So yeah. rather than being the same message again, with it being, hi, how can we help you? It was, um, welcome back. Uh, we've seen you've been here before. Uh, this was where you left off. Would you like to start again or continue where you left off? And that might scare some people, but I think in that, in that industry, it, it's brilliant because all they're doing is really communicating and making that user experience the best it can be. Um, and I think that's one of the key things in, in any marketing you do. And I think actually it's, it's important with marketing that you're not hiding things as well there from that as well, that I like companies when they're upfront about it. So that they, they clearly use cookie tracking or something similar to that to identify when they come back to the website. And actually a, a lot of ways that we've seen cookie tracking take place where um, a website will place um, something on your computer that will basically um, acknowledge that you've been there and that will affect the adverts that you see based on there. if that company runs adverts then that would change the ad space on there. So you could be on a sort of like on a mainstream website and think, wow, how do these guys, I thought they're a small business, how do they afford to advertise on here when really actually they don't. They just simply have, um, have something where they've seen you've engaged with them and they, it, it basically follows you around. And that's something where I think actually, I don't think that's a particularly good way. I mean, you've got brand, you got, um, sorry, um, visibility that comes from that as well. Uh, but I think people are just picking up on this. People are realizing that, that's what's going on. But maybe, maybe, maybe also, I mean, I haven't got data to back this up, and I'm sure marketers actually may sort of say, you know what, actually, there's still data that a lot of people just aren't aware of this and are just seeing this as more brand exposure and it turns into sales there long term because it's clearly been one. Whenever I've done my talks and presentations, people are always staggered by the retargeting and the technology that, that are in it. I still think people are oblivious to how ads work. But the way platforms are working is they have to have ads. Otherwise, Facebook would have to charge you, you know, 15, 20 pound a month to use their platform. And then their figures would just, just decline massively. So 
the ads are created that for stuff you might be interested in buying. Um, Facebook aren't interested in showing, say, Lilac Films ad to you just because Lilac Films have gone and spent two grand on the ad just to show it to you. They're not you know, interested really in that. Good saying on this as well, actually. Um, that if you're not paying for the product, you are the product. So bear in mind when you go onto Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, any of these sites on there as well for that. That service costs a lot of money to run and you're not paying any money for that. And there's a reason that um, all of these sites have a long-term plan of how are they going to advertise to you and, and data is king for them on there as well. So be very aware when you are the product um, and, and be comfortable with that as well because it's not necessarily a bad thing because at the end of the day, their aim is to give you better quality adverts. I mean, Amazon did a great job with this with their Kindle Fires, where they sort of said, well, you can buy a tablet for us for, I think it was £40, or you can buy one for £35, or maybe there's a £10 difference between them, but it'll have adverts on there, and these ads will be tailored to you. So you can have a very discounted tablet that actually we're going to sell for less than it costs us to make, or you can have one without ads. And you choose the experience. And actually, um, for the children, I chose the one without ads because I don't really want them to be consumed that. But for myself, actually, I don't mind being advertised to well by a company that knows what I'm looking for because I want to be exposed to new products and new forms of advertising. So I actually quite enjoy the experience of having a Kindle Fire tablet and seeing some of the ads that come up on there that it presents me with. Some are accurate and some are just way off on there. Um, and what I must have searched for that we probably won't go into on this call. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think. Uh there'll be a lot of people thinking back to in fact if you don't know what we're on about just think to christmas or when you're looking for a partner's um birthday present whatever it might be and you've gone into a mainstream website and you just keep seeing the ads for that um amazon are, are some of the best advertisers in this in terms of google advertising their products just come up constantly um but yeah next time you're on look at the ads and, and think actually yeah i did look at that um the only thing that sometimes is very strange is when you have spoken about um, a product and you've not actually looked at it yet and then all of a sudden you're seeing ads for it. That's where the weird thing is. But that's where smart pixels come in because I guarantee in the last few weeks you've looked at that product and the way smart pixels work. And if you don't know, look at a company called Admido. Um, yeah. But they basically, it's people like Gucci, for example, who can make, who can manage to do ads off Balenciaga because they buy the rights to, to do that so they can they can buy the rights to the Facebook pixel off other sites I looked at the platform and I think the license started at 20 grand a month or something and at that point I thought no <laughs> data is king on there as well one big scary one actually that um, if, if you want to test this out as well um, TikTok which is a new Chinese social media that's taken us by storm during lockdown is formerly musically and uh, musically and it's, uh, it's been around for a few years now, but it's only really recently where it actually starts becoming very much a central social media platform. And one of the things that fascinates me was that um, on the account, I've never actually registered for an account on TikTok, uh, but I was looking at videos on phishing on YouTube and then suddenly on TikTok, all of the videos had also swapped over to, to phishing ones so on what they call um, the for your page. So, that is very interesting, actually, where that data's coming from, because clearly there's things that are tuning into it. Maybe I had to put an email address in there. I'm sure someone much more than our marketing can tell me how that happens on there. But there's very subtle things. And actually, it doesn't make the experience bad, but it does make you very, very suspicious sometimes of how much do they know and what do they know? And it's all very big brothers watching you. We're in 1984. Uh, well, in fact, I think we're well past, actually, what we're worth doing. So there is... Um, I mean, they know everything, basically. You know, any... 
any and this is where you could really scare people and i'll have to do a different episode on it but anything you send messages snapchats instagram messages even if you delete it it's still there um there's no such thing as permanently deleting really uh it's still stored there somewhere and the thing is if you're if you're looking on the same device and then you go onto the same device elsewhere say for you steve you're i know you're an apple user it's very likely that apple have linked uh accounts so if you look on your iphone or your ipad it's likely that that um account because it's a link to the ip will also show you ads on yeah. the alternative devices so it's all very technical but um but yeah we'll let i'll have to get a data data scientist on board to uh to digress all of that but i think, I think that's um, a really good episode there isn't it to do one on sort of like the, the scariest trends within um social media at the moment i think there, there is actually i mean in silicon valley actually is a place that does terrify me at times as well because i think there is um uh, there, there's not a lot of thoughts on the why we're we doing this, but it's a bit Jurassic Park or can we do this? And I mean, I think they're way past, like if they could bring back dinosaurs, they wouldn't have just brought back dinosaurs. They'd have brought back sort of like um, every giant one and put in a zoo around the country on there as well. I think there's a lot of things that actually uh, are just ideas that people are thinking, can we do this? And the excitement of can, of can we do this is, is taking over the, should we do this? Is this, an, is this a responsible way? to actually um, grow a business. Snapchat is one that comes to mind on there as well. The idea that an app that's used predominantly by um, teenagers, most of which are, are underage, would have a feature in there that could show their exact location on there if they permit the person to see that on there. And there's, there's features like that that they've been heavily criticized for, but are just terrifying. And actually, um, this is going into a whole different realm now on there as well, but that is something I think is um, is where actually small business owners, we have a responsibility to educate as well as um, just sort of like take people down the sort of like the route of we can win you more business. But there is also an ethical way to do that as well because yeah, and that's why that's why obviously we met at the Western Road Academy um, when I was doing the career stuff, and I've done I did what two or three talks there last year, um, and that was all on the how social media is used by businesses because these kids who are you know anywhere from 13 even younger well year sevens were on it basically on facebook snapchat instagram etc so people that age are still seeing the ads um, and i would be interested in actually seeing a study as to what ads these kids see because you know there must be some ethical um situation there whether it's Fortnite ads or whatever it might be because what the ads you see it might be fairly similar to mine being obviously in the same industry, but you know, you're in a different age bracket as me. So it's likely that the ads that you're seeing by maybe Interactor are different to the ads that I saw in the ad yeah. set. So it's, it's all very highly targeted, but um, you know, Instagram have just released the um, announcement that they're now monetizing the platform. So video on Instagram will now have ads very similar to YouTube. Um, with I think it, I think it's like sixty percent ad revenue goes to the creator, so that's and a great decrease. As well, that is very much sort of like an introductory offering, like yeah. great content for it because they need they yeah. need a good quality content. So they have to incentivize it through price, and then when they have enough, like YouTube did as well, therefore that they can transition the price down to be much more heavily in their favour. In that case, it went um, where Alphabet, the parent company of Google, um, owners of YouTube. Uh, did a, a basically a huge decrease in how much content creators got paid almost overnight, and it makes it you know, very get, as your main revenue source. 
I mean, there's YouTubers that, you know, have 250K subscribers, which is an amazing, I mean, anything over 20, in my opinion, or over 10 or even one is, is impressive still. Um, but, you know, you can't make money off ad revenue on YouTube very effectively anymore. Even, even the guys on a million subscribers, they, they solely rely on brand partnerships. Yeah. Um, yeah, which is good because it opens up to people like me who deal with influencer marketing, so we, we can still make money. But, um, but you know, it's it's one of those things where is Instagram going to steal YouTube's business quite heavily with their Instagram TV? Is that is that their ploy, or is it or is it just another platform that's that's upcoming and YouTube are going to have to adapt? I think it's all all very exciting at the minute in terms of the new features being released. It, it is, and I think you'll see generations with that as well. You'll see sort of like what will almost become like the older generation being the sort of like the original YouTubers are kind of stuck on that platform because actually transitioning a platform is, is, is not easy because when you've built your audience space on one, uh, the big fear is even when you cross over to the platform, you only take your engaged audience with you, which is actually your real audience. You only want an engaged audience. I mean, just to be on this, we're going way off target on this as well. <laughs> Never buy followers on there as well. There's no point in ever buying followers to make it look like the high numbers because actually it's just vanity. When you, when you gain fans, followers, um, whatever you want to call them on there as well, you only want engaged ones on there. When they're not engaged, um, it's your job either to make sure that they are able to be engaged again, which if you bought them, they never will be because at chance are they're not real and chance are they will disappear when the social media engine has one of its regular calls. But yeah, never buy views, never buy, um, never buy fans or, or, or viewers on there because it's, there's no shortcuts to take out there with it. Certainly not. No, your only way, I mean, um, and if you are getting very interested in this topic, we will, we will just, We'll ju just carry on, but then we will go back to the interactive videos, I promise. Uh, but I think this is all, all very important, is that organic is on a decline um, and it will continue to decline because these platforms need to make money um, to, to keep being able to offer the service. So but typically you'll see when you set up a new Facebook account and you've been going and, and you start posting after a while, you'll get very good engagements. Then all of a sudden after three months or so, you'll lose your reach and you'll be like, why am I only getting two or three likes now? And it's because Facebook are expecting you to promote your posts um, and, and, start, and start being an active user. And to comment on what you called this, um, this podcast, Hacking Algorithm, actually, I think one of the, the biggest problems is, for, for certainly you as, um, as a marketeer, is working out how you have to keep up with beating the algorithm on there. And actually one of the most attractive things about new social media is, and one of the, what, the reasons I encourage businesses to always think proactively about where else they can look other than the mainstream ones is that a lot of new social medias don't have an algorithm to beat. So when it's not an algorithm to beat, that's really, really worth looking at because then it purely is on the case that, well, if I'm making good content, um, it's not a case that I have to get 10 people to like, share, comment on it first in the first hour um, on LinkedIn, or I've, I've got to make sure that I get um, 20 likes on there, um, like within Facebook, or whatever sort of like other algorithm changes are being built into it. Um, and, and a lot of them are constantly shifting as well because of course, the social media companies don't want people trying to beat their algorithms. They want people just making content, which is ultimately actually what the majority of us want. The, the consumers want good quality content, the content creators want to make that, but there's a group site in the middle that are looking for shortcuts. And that is part of the problem where uh, there's a constant battle going back and forth between the owners of the platform and those looking for shortcuts in ways to block it. And it's always been a way of SEO that 
um, I think as business owners, we've often been criminal of this, of trying to find a shortcut of, okay, let's get a group of people together, but then they'll just change it. Algorithms do not last long. You get six months of good use out of them and then they shift to something else and they shift to something else and constantly evolve on there. So be very aware about any training you've had. It's why it's important to regularly train on social media. If you are using algorithms and basing your practice on there, you need to keep up with the trends on there. You need to be working with your um, experts in each one on there. Yeah, I can't agree more. Uh, and I mean, it's similar with film. If you go for a film agency, that I think isn't adapting with the times, like with you, Steve, you're doing the smartphone video training. You know, there's no, you know, it would be silly kind of for you to still be, you know, not offering this if you're with me. If you were still saying, oh no, you can't film on your smartphone, you can't do this, you can't do that, which I imagine across the UK and the world, there's still a lot of people who are saying that because they're kind of stuck in the old times where what you're saying is, look, we can get these great video testimonials you can do them yourself but if you really want the high production stuff and you can train them to do the the lower production stuff but if you want the high production stuff that's what we're here for and as well with these introduction um got the word now interactive interactive videos um there's a there's a chance that people will be able to again you know you can storyboard it they can maybe shoot it um and then you can edit it because it's all in the editing and the, the, actual, the actual plan. Um, and then the execution is where you know, your, your high-end camera equipment and, and skill and camera angles comes in place. But you know, I think you're, you're on and ahead of the curve, which is, which is good to see. And you're right, with any industry, especially in the creative and, um, and digital realm, it's so important that you don't base your, uh, your main business plan on something that is out of your control. That for us... Um, our main business plan is based on good communication. Film is a tool to communicate on there. Same as, um, as designers, Photoshop is not just a design app, it's a means of communicating what you can through that app um, and how you design things for it. So it's, it's remembering what your core roots are for your business. There's a lot of talk at the moment about pivoting, which is an important word because we're in a lockdown situation. But actually, when it comes to looking at why you're pivoting, there's core things about your business that you probably shouldn't be changing. So for us, we evolved the way that we worked when, when it came to lockdown because we couldn't go out and film. So we had to become more, um, more fate with virtual editing and working with smartphone video content that our customers were wanted to provide us to keep offering a good service because there was a means to an end. But at the heart of that came back to, is it good communication on there as well? That And how can we make sure our customers are upskilled? And because of the time we've invested in them, in upskilling them with things like smartphone video training, where actually it's not just about how you shoot things with your smartphone, it's about how you communicate through video. That's the root of it. We could teach anyone to shoot a film that looks all right on a smartphone, but actually teach them how to communicate well through it and some techniques and getting them thinking critically about why we're we doing this, why are you doing that, is, is really the heart of it. And that is really how we try and differentiate ourselves. We're filled with strategy built into it. We're not just someone that will make you pretty pictures and pretty images. We're someone that will think about the strategy side behind film and what really goes into the content you're creating. It's the right film for the right place. Uh, and that's, um, I think that strategy behind everything is, is something that's key and where we decided that actually web design, which I know we're going off topic again here, but web design was something we dropped and we now outsource to Rob and we give ideas for example the hello chat thing I said before we've got a client going on that that shortly 
um, to just help with the whole user experience. But, you know, Rob's got a team of, what, 10 people, 8 to 10 people, um, and they're all experts in web design. We're experts in social media. You're experts in film. Craig's experts in branding and design. So with the Creative Marketing Hub, and if, for those of you who don't know that what the Creative Marketing Hub is, something myself, Steve, Craig, and Rob Mackley set up. Um, and what it aims to do is basically help business owners and small businesses succeed with their marketing. So whether that's, you know, initially finding their customer persona, their why, you know, what they need to have on their web- website to succeed, why they should be using video, social, et cetera, et cetera, everything that goes into marketing. This is a webinar and later, we're allowed to mention this, a website platform. Yeah. Um, a website platform that people can go on, access, and really find out any tips they, they're they looking for, really. Uh, we, we're going to be the go-to initially in Stafford, um, but then, you know, internet is global, so whoever wants to look at new, new additions in the algorithm can feel free to go on there when it, when it launches. Um, so the last thing I kind of wanted to touch on, Steve, was how is small businesses, so... Um, you know, anyone from, say, a sole trader who's doing a bit of social media, doing a bit of, got a website, gets fairly decent inquiries, going to use it for their business. But also, how are the large corporations that you work with going to use interactive video? Uh, one thing I think is actually for the small businesses, they have a head start because they're generally working with a, a smaller portfolio of customers, but they get and value the, the importance of good customer service. So, Actually, I think working with them and having them understand the value of actually how this feeds into creating a better experience for their customer is almost a no-brainer for them as well. Um, we've had several great conversations with people that are beginning to use this service with us where uh, they want to make the experience of their customers when they come to their website just simpler and more user-friendly. So when there's a video that explains like, what, what steers or whatever, uh, we've talked to a company that deals with grant applications, and that's a lot and stairs company, and they're essentially knowing that their customers generally have several questions that they want to ask that are fairly common, so they build that into the video to make sure that core things are answered on there, to show that they're transparent, they're knowledgeable, they're credible, and build up all those right areas there with that. With um, larger businesses, really, I see this um, interactive video being part of their, their funnels. We, they always funnels in different ways and guys is there for that as well. And at the heart of what they're trying to do is, is, is data capture. They, they know that data is king on there for that. They've got a product that they've probably got a price on how much each sale costs there for that. So they want to make that price lower. So what I see interactive video doing for them is making it easier and more accessible to get that data from customers by making sure firstly that they're providing good, valuable information in exchange for that data on there and make the process slick for the customers rather than just having a video that they have to press play on that also plays on the side of the funnel and then a data capture on the right-hand side, which is a very traditional way of doing. I mean, that technique is really sort of like seven, eight years old now, therefore. It's an, I, I think while it's used a little bit, the funnels that I've, been, I've seen now are far more slicker than that. But for those who are using those traditional funnels, they're going to be shifting over to things like this and actually finding that they get far, far, far better engagement on there. And it comes back to actually engagement being king on it. Like I sort of said, how effective is it if you ask a question? Um, I, I mean, I, I, I could put one out on there as well. I'll ask a question as well. Uh, how has video worked for you in the past? Has it worked well or hasn't it worked well? Pick on these ones and, and let the video take the direction that you think it has. If it hasn't worked well, we then start um, asking some questions within this video as well about sort of like um, 
uh, we hear you. We know there's a lot of mistakes that are made with video. These are some of the ones that you may have seen made that or you may have made yourself for this. And again, you build credibility back up from that point as well. And vice versa, if they've had a positive experience there from that, then you reinforce. Have you thought about some of these new techniques of how it could work? It's all about actually how you ask the right questions. It's about asking good questions to your customers. And for the first time, you can do that within video. And that's really where I see both big and small businesses use that, asking good questions to their customers and getting their customers to the right point that they need to see, rather than trying to either shove everything in one video or do lots of little multiple videos all over the place scattered around. And instead, it's short form videos in the right place that gets the right answer, the right content to them quicker and in a more easier and accessible way. So that's the route for interactive videos. Something that I hope that happens as a result of this, actually, is that the social platforms can adapt their software to allow them to work within it. So, you know, and then they might already work within it, I don't know. But, um, but say on Facebook at the minute, what we're trying to do is use very engaging videos, very fast videos, um, to get people instantly engaged and to stop that scroll, which we talk about a lot. Um, video ads, I personally believe, are the only ads that are working currently for us. Um, I mean, the other ad, you know, the photo ads are still working, but they're nowhere near as low as the, the cost per click, for example, on the video ads. So video ads are where it's at. But if you could have a video ad that actually had that question initially, that just appealed to that ideal client, they clicked and then the click through determined whichever point they went on. And it was, you know, it is, it is to ultimately get them to buy your product. If they say yes, there's, you know, that process in place that is then going to determine them. And they'll each hopefully end at the same point, which is, you know, inquire now. But because they've gone through this process of qualification stage in their head that, you know, if they're thinking, I had a video done, you know, by a small agency um, five years ago. And we literally paid, you know, two grand for it and got nothing from it. You know, if that's if that's someone's mind right now, an interactive video can change that. Where a current organic video or linear video, as you call them, sorry, um, will just, you know, it'll just be like another video. They'll have those objections. Where if you've answered those questions, they're instantly going to be kind of taking those objections away already. And then it's actually, how can you help me? rather than no videos, video doesn't work for my business. Um, or like some objections that we get before, which is no social media doesn't work for my business. So I think it's definitely going to be valuable in our sales or our ad funnel, sorry, um, especially on the, the Facebook platform. But even if you can't get that ad off the platform, having it within that initial click funnel, I think is going to be really valuable to probably the success of our, of our ads moving forward. Um, and as I've spoke to you already, we want to be one of the first to to utilise that within our within our strategy, um, especially per, especially for our own business anyway. And then our clients will just follow um, if it's successful. So no, I think that's uh, I think it's definitely exciting in that respect. Um, and I'm really looking forward to seeing where things where things go with it and, and what we can also do together with some projects. Because um, I know you, you're working with training companies where actually the video is um, a training video rather than it being um, rather than being a sales video. So there's loads of different avenues that you can explore with these uh, with these features. Is there anything I've missed, Steve, that you wanna you really want to touch on in terms of the interactive stuff or 
or you know tell tell the listener how um how they can you know progress with these uh, interactive videos if, if they want to i i mean probably not for this one but the, the um, th there's more technical information to it that if you're wanting to, if you're an implementer and someone that is like a web designer wants to know actually the technical specs of, okay, when I get an interactive video, clearly I'm not getting just an MP4 file, how is it coming to me? That's probably sort of like a, a bigger conversation that is worth having on here because it's quite specific. Uh, so I think more with any new technology is, is trying to keep it, it focused to understanding what it can do and then working out actually how and where it fits in for that and how we make the, the tech side of things happen so probably the best the best thing um if you are if you are listening um just speak to steve um we'll obviously put his details uh in the description because one thing that i think steve stands out uh craig stands out rob and i stand out is that we'll never take you on if it's not right for you or your business for example if steve looks at your business and when actually you know an interactive video probably isn't best for you, but maybe a talking head video would be better um, suited for, for your business because of X, 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 X. Because Steve's worked with you know, loads of different clients from uh, one-man startups to um, coaching companies to the likes of Donnell, um Network Rail. So, you know, he's got a wealth of knowledge and, you know, there is stuff that, you know, you might say and, and if they stick to it, it would work. But I think a lot of the time, take the advice of the professional and go from there because, you know, people who have experience do generically know what they're, uh, what they're doing and what they're talking about. So um, definitely get in touch with Steve if you're thinking about interactive videos. If there's any other videos that you, you want us to cover, um, Steve's now probably classed as a regular on this, on this podcast. So um, it's great having you here, Steve, and it would be great to see you again covering covering another topic uh, and i do think we'll be doing a creative marketing podcast as well potentially i think so i think that's the plan yeah. but thank you joe thank you for hosting this one and putting it together as well that it's um it's great to be able to talk and have some good questions asked of it and thank you for the tangents as well i enjoyed those no definitely so thanks for listening everyone and i will um speak to you next week thank you <laughs>